0: Divine Spirit, this day, today, recalling Pentecost, we give thanks for the gift of peace you have bestowed upon us, your disciples, by the Holy Spirit. Just as the Spirit moved Christ's disciples throughout the centuries, so may we catch that Spirit moving among us, rekindling our faith and transforming all that is hard and dead into new life and new commitment in Christ. We seek your forgiveness this day for all the walls of hostility we have built that separate us from one another. We seek your forgiveness for our failure to share our gifts and talents with others. We seek forgiveness for the lack of care we have shown toward the created world. Even as we seek forgiveness, we are empowered to move ahead in confidence and hope because of the assurance that we have already been forgiven and accepted by your gift of grace, accepted by you. And so, O God, today we celebrate your gift that unites your people everywhere, people of every shade and of every nation. We celebrate the peace of Christ that ties us together, enabling us to be agents of reconciliation in this church and in the world. We celebrate the spirit that moves us to nurture one another, to challenge one another, to celebrate one another, to celebrate with one another. We celebrate the gentle gusts of the winds of your spirit, breathing new life into old dusty dreams uh, and post-pandemic vivid visions of hope. May the mighty wind of your spirit lift all of us to higher visions, to greater dreams and to renewed strength to make those vivid visions and dusty dreams realize realities in this world. May we be opened today to the new creation you seek to bring about within and among us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. The witness of scripture this morning from the gospel of John chapter 20 verses 19 through 23. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained.
1: Continuing from Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya that belonged to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean?
2: It usually happened late in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter of the high school football game. Our team was not very good and we were far enough behind that the outcome of the game was not in doubt. Many of our fans, dispirited by the team's performance, had long lost interest in the game, and some had even headed for the exits. It was about then that the opposing team band struck up the cheer We've got spirit, yes we do, we've got spirit, how about you? Thankfully, with something else to focus on, we garnered our collective voices and responded in kind, we've got spirit, yes we do, we've got spirit, how about you? At that point, the band and the fans on the opposite side of the field would respond a little louder, and we tried our best to amplify our voices in return. This continued with several more vocal volleys lobbed across the football field until finally the opposing team band declared themselves the winner of this spirit contest by chanting, we've got more, we've got more. (laughs) And it was hard to ignore the air of superiority they evinced which happened to match the results on the football field. We did not just lose the game, we lost the spirit chant each Friday night as well. There was one thing wrong, at least, and one thing right about that chant. Spirit is not a competitive sport. Cheer has become a competitive sport but spirit is not a competition. A quick read of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church reminds us that when some people claim to be more spirited than others, problems start happening in the church. People start claiming to be superior, more faithful. Paul said spirit is not a competition. And when people make it competitive, then problems arise for the church because the definition of what constitutes spirit or spirited is narrowed. However, the spirit chant did get one thing right. It was the use of the plural pronoun we. We. The chant was never, I've got spirit, yes I do, I've got spirit, how about you? It was always we. And whether we realized it or not, and the smart money is that we did not realize it, the use of the plural pronoun proclaims what the Spirit of God is always doing. Creating community. Taking a diverse and sometimes disparate group and creating camaraderie at the very least. Ah, well, now we are in the ballpark to switch sports metaphors. We are in the spirit of the day, since today is Pentecost which, whether we read from Acts or John, and we did both today, are stories about community being restored and renewed and rejuvenated. Pentecost is not about uniformity or conformity or even unity, but it is a day celebrating the essential recreation of community. Both Acts and John, different as these accounts are, testify to the presence of God's Spirit invigorating community. Now the more familiar story of Pentecost is associated with Acts chapter two, this rather loud and boisterous event occurring in Jerusalem. We remember that the celebration of Pentecost, often called the birthday of the church, is tied to the Jewish agricultural festival called the Feast of Weeks, which occurred on the 50th day after Passover, hence Penta, 50, Pentecost. Eventually, the celebration also commemorated the giving of the commandments to Moses on Sinai. It's a big day. It's a good party. And as Luke tells the story, about 120 have gathered for the celebration, not counting all those who are spilling out onto the street. Luke does his best to describe the indescribable. A rush of wind familiar to us in this part of the world and light, like fire, dancing among all those gathered. It's always risky to use a metaphor because people are tempted to fabricate an idol from the metaphor. So Luke doesn't linger long with the metaphor. And the rest of the crowd is not particularly taken with this part of the story either. What does enchant not only Luke but the rest of the crowd is that despite all their differences, these people gathered from various parts of the world who do not share the same first language are able to understand each other. That is what gets their attention. And it gets our attention as well. Those gathered whose common ground is rather limited, find a connection with each other thanks to the Spirit of God. There's chanting going on about the Spirit, but it is not a competition. Instead, as Peter would soon preach to the crowd, the Spirit of God, once associated with individual prophets or kings, was now much more egalitarian and community-minded. Sons and daughters, young and old, slaves and free, men and women. Peter is saying the Spirit does not erase difference. Instead, the Spirit creates community. The less familiar story of Pentecost comes from John chapter 20. It too is in Jerusalem in an upper room, but it is on the night of Jesus' resurrection. We do not know which of the disciples are there, but we do know Thomas is not there. Those that were in that upper room are huddled behind locked doors because they've heard that Jesus is on the loose as are the Roman soldiers, and so they fear for their lives. Again, with language that proclaims more than it describes, Jesus is with them. And considering all he could have said to them, like, why did you deny me? Or why did you abandon me? Or why are you hiding says, instead, the one sentence that creates community, peace be with you. He says it, and then he shows them his wounds, which, as we know, is a critical part of the peace process. Not all, but a majority of our legislators recently passed a law That narrows the teaching of the horrific history and pain of race in our culture and in our state. No, 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 no. You have to deal with the wounds. There's no way to move toward peace, to move toward community, until you deal with the wounds. Jesus showed them his wounds. And he breathed on them, not a gale to blow them away, but a gentle zephyr, a wind at their backs and in their lives. And he said it again, peace be with you, receive the Holy Spirit. He is reconstituting, reinvigorating, reforming the church, Christ's living, breathing, healing community. Sometimes, the Pentecost Day story from Acts is interpreted as reversing the confusion of languages and the establishment of differences from the Genesis story of the Tower of Babel. But that's not what's happening here. Eric Barreto points out that there is not restoration of a common language. Instead, what we witness is the Holy Spirit validating differences and working through them, not erasing differences to create a forced unity or uniformity. In fact, the Holy Spirit moves in the opposite direction, inspiring all kinds of different people and creating a community without erasing the individual's or their history. As for John's Pentecost-like story, those dispersed disciples become the community called church, worshiping, praying, seeking to learn and to do God's will by going out and serving other people who may not look like them, but who are in need Because even with our differences, we are still a human community, a community who, for all our characteristic differences, shares a common heritage of those born in love and born into a world that needs the breath of God's love blown across it. Why? Because the hot winds of violence and hatred and fear and bigotry are scorching this world that God so loves. Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. It's about community. Now, ironic as this is, Pentecost and the pandemic are having a revealing conversation. Historian Kristen Girton points out that the ability to lift oneself up by one's own bootstraps has long been celebrated in the United States. The admiration of self-reliance derives from 17th century English philosopher John Locke who argues that individuals are fully accountable for themselves because they alone own their bodies, a kind of self-ownership. Locke's theory and philosophy informed our nation's founders, Jefferson's Declaration of Independence, for example, and It continues to shape how individuals perceive themselves as having the right to choose and act freely and independently, motivated solely by personal and self-focused intentions. And this perspective has now devolved into personal liberty becoming idolatrous an idol that has been on full and unabashed display over this past year. Locke's ideas were not unanimously embraced. There were those who asserted not autonomous selves, but interconnected selves. Girton points out, COVID-19 has forced individuals to reckon with the fragility of their self-ownership. How can one presume to have a property in their own person if the boundaries of this property are so readily breached by a virus? The pandemic has obliged individuals to recognize how profoundly connected we are to others. Like it or not, humans are entangled with their environments and with one another. As American poet Gwendolyn Brooks writes, we are each other's harvests, we are each other's business, we are each other's magnitude and bond. The poet's words are the dancing tongues of fire carried on the winds of God's Spirit. Anthony Robinson acknowledges that as we have entered the second year of the pandemic, craving juices our throats. We want to get back to normal. The question is not how much we want to return to the life we have known. The question is... Are we trying to get through this pandemic with a vaccine without truly exploring our soul? That does tend to be our modern MO. We prefer a technical fix, give me a pill or a shot, but avoid the harder adaptive work, the change of hearts and minds. Have we changed? Have we come to our senses? In life, we don't simply move from an ending to a beginning. There is always an in-between, messy, disorienting, confusing middle. You don't go from walking through the Red Sea directly into the promised land. There is a stretch in the wilderness. So it's probably a good time to take stock, to ask ourselves what we have learned, what we are learning. What will we take with us on this next leg of our journey and what will we leave behind? This is what spirited faith looks like. In the 12th verse, From today's story in Acts, one of the great and most important of all questions is asked. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Well, we know. We know Pentecost is not a competition. Instead, it is an invitation. No less ironic than on the streets of Jerusalem or in a locked upper room, the fans at the high school football game proclaimed it too. Although, we might want to change the chant ever so slightly. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. God thank you." Or, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. Or, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. And so do you. Whatever the chant, the good news, thanks be to God, is We've all got spirit.